of uh, First Samuel. I don't know. That's a great question. At least. Okay, everyone, make it to your seats if you could. <laughs> Is that good, Jared? Simmer down now. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Did you just say simmer down now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. So we're gonna uh, open up the scripture. You can see we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18, 1 through 5. I'm glad there's no big words in this one. So, <laughs> As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then... Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul sent him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Thank you. Amen. May we be blessed by the reading of God's word. You may be seated. This morning, as you know, we're in a series uh, called the life, the study of the life of David, a people of God after the heart of God. And what we've looked at so far is that the first message was about God doesn't look on the external, but God looks at the internal. So we've looked at and we're going to look at what does it look like for us to have the heart after God? And then we looked last week uh, about uh, David and Goliath and so often we look at that passage of Scripture and we look at ourselves as David and we look at all these Goliaths in our life. It's not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is to remind us that we have a David. His name is King Jesus who conquered the greatest giant that's sin in our life by hanging on a cross for us. And this morning we're going to look at what would it look like for us to be a people of God after the heart of God with this word called Friendship. I think friendship is something we all long for. Remember as a child and uh, growing up, is that not something we all wanted in our lives was a, a friend? And we, we would do crazy and stupid things to get friends. Some of it caused great harm to us and others. Other of it, it's just pure excitement and joy. But we all long for friends. We live in a technology age that Facebook is a big deal. And on Facebook, what's the thing that people talk about the most? Well, how many friends I have? How many likes did I have on my Facebook account? And we're driven by looking at that number over and over and over again. And we, on our friend, I don't have Facebook, so I, I'll just say on other people's Facebooks, that's not coming out of holy or anything, I just uh, would get consumed with Facebook and social media, so I don't have it, but but. We, we say we have 2,000 friends. I got 2,001 friends. And, and how does our hearts go up and down if we lose friends on Facebook or if we gain friends on Facebook? I guarantee you, you do not have 2,000 friends. You might have 2,000 people that put 
friend in the box to check, but they're not your friends. And we look at friendships in so many different ways, and we come to this passage today about friendships. We're going to see four things in this passage that must be true in all of our friendships. If they're true friends, my great fear for us is we have a lot of acquaintances, but no true friends. No, no one that really knows you or knows me. Everything about me, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I have great fear that we have more acquaintances than we do friends. And yet, we'll look at this passage about Jonathan and David, probably the most famous of all friendships. I was thinking about all the friendships that are modeled for us, and you may be uh, not, you, this may not come uh, when you hear these two words, uh, Harry and Lloyd, does anyone remember that, Dumb and Dumber? You talk about a great friendship. That, that, if you've ever seen Dumb and Dumber, go see Dumb and Dumber. I see everyone's laughing. If you've seen it, like, man, they, were, they did some crazy things, but they had great friendships and all the other friendships. But then if you really look, start looking at TV, we have other friendships, Batman and Robin. That wasn't a true friendship. That was a sidekick. Like, Robin really didn't go, get to do all the cool adventures Batman did. He got robbed, poor little Robin right? And so I think we have this mindset of what friendship looks like and it doesn't look like, but God is going to give us through his word what true friendship looks like. The saddest part is how the world has taken this passage, these four verses, and, and made it something it was not. This was not a homosexual relationship that Jonathan and David had. This passage doesn't point to, hey, homosexuality is okay because, look, it's in the Bible. No, that's not the point of this passage. That is not the relationship they had at all. They had a bond that we'll see in this passage. So if anyone ever says, yeah, homosexuality is in the, the Bible, it's Jonathan and David. That is not true. And you can now, I'm going to give you the tools to show them that that's not true. That's not what God's Word says about that relationship. But I believe God does give us four things that we all must have to be in healthy relationships. And I'm going to ask you for a moment this morning not to consider your spouse as this relationship. Do you have other relationships outside of your spouse because that relationship is, goes way beyond what this relationship, a, a, a spouse goes well beyond what this passage is talking about. I, I hope so. Jonathan and David did not know each other the way you ought to know your husband or your wife. Do you hear what I'm saying? The word know means something different. That's not the relationship Jonathan and David had. So I'm asking you, do you have, if you're a female, do you have female relationships that look like this? And if you're a male, do you have male relationships that look like this? Now, yes, you can take these and apply them to your marriage, but this isn't all that the marital relationship is about. This is about companionship with, with brothers, if you're a brother, and sisters, if you're a sister. So let's look at the passage this morning, the model that God has given to us four relationships. Four words we'll see in this text. It says this in verse 18, remember, as soon as he had finished 
speaking to Saul. So David, the backdrop of the story. So David has been speaking to Saul. Remember what had just happened in chapter 17. David had just gone out and conquered Goliath. He had just cut off his head and was bringing his head back to Jerusalem. So the backdrop of this very moment happens right after David has victory. That's so important to see in this text. So this this victory we see in chapter 17, it says this, that the, the women were saying this about David and Saul, that Saul had struck down his thousands, but David his ten thousands. And so we'll see for the rest of this text from 1 Samuel to 2 Samuel, this changes everything in the relationship with King Saul and young David. And it's amazing to me that God's word places this relationship and friendship before the rest of the stories to come. You see, because the rest of David's life is going to be about being pursued to be killed by Saul. The rest of his life, until Saul dies, is this pursuit of the king after young David. Now, why would God in his sovereignty put this relationship wedged between David's great success and David's greatest adversity? Because I think it reveals that we need friends. David, God knew that David would need a friend to stick with him through adversity. That's what Proverbs 17, 17 says. A friend loves at all time and a brother is born in adversity. You see, the relationship that David and Jonathan have is a, not just a brothership, but a, tr- uh, not just a friendship, but a true brothership that's born out of adversity. And David's going to need Jonathan till Jonathan's dad passes away. It's amazing to me if you look at the text. Jonathan and Saul died the same day. You ever thought about that? That the adversary, King Saul, and the one, the companion, the one companion that David needed for the one adversary was Jonathan. And the moment the adversary died, his greatest companion died with him. You see, Jonathan loved David as his own. Four things we see. So that's the backdrop. There's this great victory that David had had. He had come and he'd conquered. And we'll see in the text he's now going to be put over all of the armies. He, remember, he's not 20 years old. Like As soon as, that's key, as soon as David had conquered, Saul makes him the commander of chief over all the armies. He's still not 20. He's still not supposed to be at war. But now because of his great success, he gets even more success. And David and Jonathan have this friendship in a moment. As soon as he, David, was finished speaking to King Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. The first thing that we see, you can underline this word in your Bible, is the word knit. Most scholars believe that Jonathan and David made a 
seen each other on occasions. If you remember when Saul was having the torment from that evil soul, that David would come out of the fields and would play the music for King Saul. And so many scholars believe that David had met Jonathan in passing as he was in the, the kingdom, but they weren't friends at that moment. And this is the moment that a friendship is knit together. That's the key word, knit together. The word knit in the Hebrew means to bind together. And it means to bind so that you cannot separate. And so in that moment, Jonathan looks at David and his soul is knit together with King, with, with young David. And it wasn't just that it was his heart that was knit to him. His very life was knit to the heart and soul of David. And I wonder for you and I wonder for me, are there any relationships that your heart feels knit together with someone? And that's where the word, if you've ever heard, you've had a kindred spirit with someone, you've met them. Have anyone ever met someone and you meet them for the first time and it felt like you've known them your whole life? I had that opportunity this weekend. I was doing a, a retreat and a training, and I met this young guy, and we talked a few times. And I was like, man, my, I just felt connected to him. Like there was a knit together with him. His name is Will. And I remember leaving yesterday morning, I, I thought to myself, man, that could be a lifelong friend. And I wonder what happens because I believe all of us in the room have felt that, correct? All of us in the room have come across other people in our lives that we've met with and had an encounter with, and it's like, man, it, there's just this connection with. So what happens to that relationship? I believe it falls out of the next one. It falls out of the next three. Because I think oftentimes what happens is the next three don't continue to happen in the relationship. The next word that we see is unconditional. That Jonathan, what, loved him as himself. He loved David as he loved his own self. And think about how often how selfish we are as people. Am I the only one? Uh, yep, I am. I'm the only one raising my hand this morning. But we're selfish people, and we love ourselves. We care for ourselves. I heard a story this weekend that um, this young couple was on their honeymoon, and they were, they were in the tropics. And all of a sudden, this tarantula comes walking into uh, the place that they're staying. And what do you supposed happen in that moment like our minds say what is to happen the husband is to step in front of the wife and squash the the spider right that, that's what we think well you know what this uh young man did he screamed like a girl and ran out of the room and the the young wife was sitting there terrified of the tarantula why because that young man loved himself more than he loved her we have a phrase that we're teaching our kids in our house uh, to both Tennyson and Cedar. I think Cedar has no idea what we're saying. Young Tennyson is beginning to get it. We, we say this, that the boy must go down so that the girl goes free. That we want Tennyson to have a mate that loves her 
with all of his heart. And so he'll stand in the way for her. And we want young Cedar to do that for a female. And yet so often in our lives, we look out for Uno. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to protect mine. And man, I'm going to be a pit bull if you try to come and get mine. But what we see in this relationship that Jonathan loved David unconditionally. He had an unconditional relationship with David. The word there is the word love. The word love in the Hebrew means to cherish something. And I think in our culture we hear the word love. And we have this misunderstanding what love is. I don't know what your favorite food is. Mine's tacos. I love tacos. So I can say I love tacos. And I can say I, I love Jenny. Now those two loves ought not to be the same, correct? Like I, don't, I hope Jenny doesn't hope that I love her the way I love tacos. But I think in our, in our mind's eye, in our culture, we hear the word love and it, 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 it's equal to everything. Because truth be told, I don't really love tacos. I like the way they taste. They fill my stomach. But I'm not committed to that taco. I don't cherish the taco. Because of the burritos there, I'm eating the burrito before the taco because I really love burritos. And so we see this picture of Jonathan. It says that he was united first to the heart and soul of David. But not only was he united to him, he also cherished him you ever been cherished before think about the last time you were cherished and what that feels like cherished means that you're put above everything else and you're number one and that's what jonathan was doing to david Remember who's doing this to David. We're going to see this in a moment. Remember who Jonathan is. Jonathan is who? The son of Saul, which would have been what? He would have been rightfully the next king. And Jonathan at this point in the story knows that young David has been anointed to be what? King. So what would have been true if, if it was me in the story? That would have been competition. I would be thinking to myself, this is the guy that's about to take all of my inheritance and all of my kingdom. I would not cherish that person at all. I'd go back to the old saying, keep your friends close, but keep your enemies closer. I think, how often do we do that? How often do we really not cherish people, but we're really cherishing what we think they're going to rob from us, and so we hoard over it, and we think that they're, they, we want to make them think that they're in, but really they're not in at all. We don't really cherish them. We're cherishing what we think is they're going to take from us. But Jonathan, it says that he cherished David, knowing that everything, we're going to see this in two verses, knowing that everything is about to be David. Do we cherish people? Do we really have this unconditional love 
for our friends. So he was knitted together with David. And then it says in verse 2, And Saul took David that day and would never let him go home. Verse 3 says this, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. Underline that word covenant in your Bible. It's an important word. The word covenant means this, a binding agreement between two parties. A binding agreement that cannot be separated between two parties, that two parties agree to this covenant. But I wonder how often we don't have covenants with people, but we have contracts with people. There's a huge difference between a covenant and a contract. Right? A contract isn't timeless. A covenant is timeless. A, a covenant can always, a, a covenant can never be broken. A contract can always be broken. Like if I'm in a covenantal relationship with you, then I can't just break the relationship because I'm not getting my way and I'm not becoming happy in the relationship. But when we make contractual relationships with other people, then if our needs aren't being met, if we're not getting what we want out of the relationship, if it's not what we think is best for us, we break off the relationship. Sidebar. I wonder how many of us live in those kind of marriages. That you have a contract with your spouse, but you don't have a covenant with your spouse. You see, because marriage is going to be really, really tough. Marriage is going to be really, really hard. And sometimes it's really, 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 you're going to want to get out. Am I the only one? Okay, I'm lonely again. I'll just be willing to say it out loud and be honest. And and I know there's often times in the marriage that Jenny has wanted to get out because I've been foolish and I've done foolish things. But if we had a contract together, she would have broken the contract or I would have broken the contract. But because we have a covenantal relationship that can't be broken because it has no time limit and it has nothing that can rip it apart, then we stay together through all the hard times. Is that not what you said to your spouse on the day of your marriage in the covenantal relationship that you made? That was not a contractual relationship as you stood at the altar. When you said in the good times and the bad times, that's called covenantal relationship, not a contractual relationship. And I wonder how many of us strip down from our relationship with our spouse with other human beings. It's a contractual relationship. That when it gets hard, we just dismiss the friend. I can't tell you how many stories I've heard where people get their feelings hurt in the relationship and they just pull the plug and say, I'm done with him, I'm done with her. And they don't go fight for the friendship. They don't go fight for the relationship. They're just done. They're just out. They've been hurt. And they don't want to deal with the pain and the hurt, so they just walk away. That's not what the relationship that Jonathan and David had. Jonathan loved David and was united to him and was committed to him for the rest of his life. We're going to see that there's moments that in this relationship that young Jonathan would have to stand in front of King Saul because he had a relationship with David and he would confront the king and say to the king, no, you can't do that to my friend. 
You see, if they just had a contractual relationship, young Jonathan, when the, when the tough got tough, he would have got going. Like there's a moment we're going to see here in a, in a few weeks where David is being pursued by Saul and he tries to kill David and Jonathan steps in the way and says, not on my watch, dad. You don't do that, even if it's your dad, you don't do that with the king. The king could have his own son killed for that. But Jonathan valued David so much, he was willing to do that. The next and last thing that we see, we see that Jonathan was united with David. We see that Jonathan had this unconditional love for David. We see this committed relationship. But I think one of the most important is that we see next in verse 4. And Jonathan stripped himself of his robe and gave it to David. And his armor and gave it to David. And his sword and gave it to David. And his bow and gave it to David. And his belt and gave it to David. Now when you and I think of a robe, we think of a suit jacket. We just think of an outer garment. But you know the thing that would distinguish young Jonathan as the prince of the kingdom was his robe. And so what we see here in this text is that Jonathan sacrificed his position because of his relationship with Jonathan. He took off his robe, and essence what he was doing is, not my kingdom, but hey, David, your kingdom now. Like, I'm giving you all that I have. Everything that is mine, David, is now yours. All of it is yours. That's the first thing that we see sacrificially giving from Jonathan. The second thing that we see is that he strips himself of the things that's going to protect him. His armor, his bow, his sword. Those are things of protection. Again, what Jonathan is saying to David in that moment is, hey, everything that protects me, I'm going to give it up for you to protect you. I'm going to sacrifice all of my protection for your protection. Think about that for a moment. Think about that moment in that field where David had just left Saul. He turns to Jonathan. Their souls are knit together. And in front of all these people, Jonathan is saying to David, here, all of mine is now yours. And in that moment, not only is he sacrificing to David, he's making another commitment to David. He's saying to David, because it's all yours, now I'll serve you. And I think for a moment about our relationships. I want to ask us two questions this morning. The first question is this. Do you have friends like Jonathan in your life? That you're knit together with? that there's unconditional love with. That you have this covenantal relationship with, that you're really committed with. And that they'll sacrifice everything for you. You know, we often hear, and you may heard, man, I've got this friend, if I knew if I called him at 2 o'clock in the morning, he'd show up. 
that kind of friend? Do you have friends like that? But here's probably the more important question of the two. Are you a friend like that? Are you a friend to someone else? That's knit together with them. That's committed to them. That loves them unconditionally. And you're serving over and over and over again. Because you want what's best for them, not what's best for you. You see, what's gripped my heart about this text this whole week, these whole last three months, has been this. What if we became a church that had committed relationships and friendships like Jonathan and David? That we would be a community that was knit together. That we really were the same word that it means there in the text, that there was this brotherly affection for one another. This brother and sister affection in this community. And that we would be committed to each other. You see, I think that's where the church has gotten blown sky high. People leave over the color of the carpet and their feelings getting hurt. Because they don't have a committed relationship. They have a contractual relationship. I mean, think about that for a moment. People have left because of the carpet in a room? Really? Yeah, really. People have left because they haven't liked the music in a room? People have left because they don't like the version of the Bible people are teaching from? Really? Because we don't get friendships. And here's why we don't get friendships. Because we don't get the author of the friendship. Let me say that again. We don't get friendships because we don't know who authored the friendship. Because if we, author, we knew who authored the friendship, we'd look and say, the friendship, the one that makes the friends, has done all these things for me. He's been united to me. That's, his name is Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is united to us. And we're united to him. He's our greatest example of what a friend is to us. He says that in John 17. You are in me and I am in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Is that not unity? But not only is that, not only is he unified and we're unified to him and he's called us one body. If we're united to Christ Jesus, the arm can't say to the leg, I'm out of here. The eye can't say to the hand, you're useless. We need everyone to be united for the kingdom and the purpose of God because we're reminded that the author of the friendship is the King Jesus himself. But not only that. You see, if all we had is unity, boring, if that's all we had. But he's our greatest example of an unconditional love for us, his people. Think about that for a moment. The one that writes and authorizes all relationships understands what it means to have unconditional love for people. You know what his unconditional love says in Romans? Why we were yet his enemy, he died for us. 
It does not say why we were yet his friends, why we were yet his best friends, why we were yet his acquaintances. No, it says why we were enemies. He had this unconditional love that he poured out for his people. So not only do we see that Christ is our ultimate example of unity, the ultimate example of unconditional friendship, but we see this ultimate example of commitment. That's throughout the Bible. This verse after verse after verse. Think of all the times you've turned from him. He's never turned from you. He's never walked away from you. Think about that for a a moment. Think about all the things that have happened in your life that you would say to your friend, man, I'm, I ain't doing it. I'm not dealing with that again. And we've done that tenfold to Jesus Christ. And yet he always says, oh, come back, come back, come back, come back, come back. Because I have this covenantal relationship with you that can't be broken. It cannot be broken. Which leads me to the last one. He's the ultimate example of the sacrifice. In the same way that young Jonathan that day in the field said to David, hey, all of mine is yours. I'm giving up my kingdom for you. Is that not what King Jesus did for us? You see, King Jesus was in heaven before he came and descended on earth. He had everything at his disposal. And he gave the whole kingdom up to come and be with us. And he didn't just give it up to give it up. He gave it up so that we would have it. He withholds nothing from us as his children. He says, all that is mine when you enter my kingdom is now all of yours. What a sacrifice. He doesn't say to us, you're just children of mine. He doesn't just say you're you're peasants in the kingdom. He says you're princesses and princes in my kingdom and all that's at this table is yours. Have it and have it to the full. What a sacrifice. But that sacrifice cost Jesus everything. No greater love than this. That he laid down his life for his friend. You see, this text, though it's four small verses, will weigh an eternity for young David. You see, David's going to need to rely on Jonathan the rest of his life for companionship, for encouragement, for commitment. To just ask, am I doing all right? And Jonathan, we've looked how all the time that David has been the model of Christ for us. Now in this text, we see Jonathan is the model of Christ for us. You see, if you do not know Christ this morning, there is no greater friendship that you can have. And here's the deal. That friendship doesn't depend on you 
It depends on him and him alone. He's not waiting for you to get good. He's not waiting for you to get right. He's not waiting for you to get cleaned up. He's not waiting to see what you have to offer. He says to you, if you do not know him, hey, I'm here and I'm all yours. I desire relationship with you. And this is my commitment to you. You don't have to make that commitment to me. My commitment to you is you will be one with me today. You may not feel that today, but my promise is I will be one with you today. The promise is I have this unconditional love for you. While you were yet a sinner, I died for you so that you could have full life and abundant life. I have this covenantal relationship with you. The promise is I'll take that heart of stone and I'll remove it and I'll put the heart of flesh in you. You don't have to do anything. I'm choosing you. Let me say that again. I'm choosing you. You're not choosing me today. I'm choosing you. I see you. This is what I have to offer. And this is how I have to offer it. The cross. And because of the cross, it accomplishes everything. And so church, I implore you. Do you have that relationship with the author of relationship? And if you do, then we ought to demonstrate that. To one another because times will get hard times will not be pleasant times will not go the direction that you want them to go we may not always as a church do everything that you want to do but are you committed to what God has called us to do if church was easy this place would be packed out But being part of a family will cost you something. It costs our Jesus everything.